The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Neverland Podcast, number 40. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and stay until morning. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. And now, please welcome your host for the podcast. He's the pen. I got pen sword on the pen now! Actually, I got his microphone. He's grown up. You promise never to grow old. Here age relives fond memories of the past. Yeah. His nose got real big. Well, who wants to back to man? And now your host, Jeremy. All right, Neverlanders, grab your pixie out of your pocket. It's that time once again. Give her a couple of shakes and spread a little bit of that pixie dust on you and all of your friends. It's time to fly away to where, guys? Neverland! <laughs> so, yes, and we're not alone going to Neverland. We have a couple of our regulars on here. We have Lost Boy Phil. Hello! And Lost Boy Jesse. Hello! Woo! So, with the three of us, this is man time here, so... But ladies, feel free to come along, because we're we're manly men, we are. But only one of us is a single lady, so, you know, figure out which one, and then pursue. Hey, please. <laughs> so, what's going on? We have three of us here today, mainly because, well, this is going to be our heroic show. Uh, because we figured that, okay, uh, and well, mainly I guess Jesse brought this idea up that Disney here recently has been, per- you know, well, not that recently, I guess it's been a little while now, but they purchased Marvel, Definitely. then they purchased Star Wars, but mainly Marvel. And so now they bought, oh golly, all kinds of characters, just hundreds of thousands, the entire Marvel universe, and we've only began to crack the surface with all these movies. And so those of you who are watching the movies and enjoying those, we'd like to tell you about some other characters and tell you a little bit of history of some comic books to maybe find some other areas that that Disney does own that you might want to dive into. But before we do that, we do have some some interesting things I found here to add to our news desk. Uh, So let's go and dive straight into that. Sounder. 
Okay, well, we don't have any Marvel news, but we'll be talking plenty about Marvel. But we do have some Disney news. Uh, I'm going to try to say this guy's name. But this is some Star Wars related. It is, looks like, Miltos Yaromu. Uh, and he played the role, he was a swordsman uh, of Sirio Forel. Uh, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that right. It, that either. Uh, he was in Game of Thrones, apparently in the first season or so, which I haven't watched. Uh, but he's been announced to be in Star Wars Seven. Apparently, he's got some skill with some blades. So awesome. sounds like mm-hmm, sounds like he's gonna maybe a Jedi, maybe a Sith. We don't know. Big role, small small role. Don't know. Pretty late in the game for them to announce him, though. I think. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's a small role that they'll build up later. Could be. I, I think they're going to just throw some people in there as they go along and not announce they're in the movie till we get closer and closer. We'll see some surprise cameos and oh, that kind of yeah, stuff. That's, I figured yeah. they might do that. Yeah, it's best, I think, that they keep quiet about a lot of things and surprise us because I don't want to hear a bunch of rumors. I don't want to hear a bunch of supposedly leaked photos. I want to hear official releases from Disney. That way I, and I know all the information that I'm getting and that I'm going to share is official and I'm not going to be sharing anything that could spoil or give away too much information. One thing I did hear is that you know they have the original cast. I mean, a lot of the original cast of the first uh, uh, great trilogy. Yeah, and I'm uh, and I'm hoping because they said that Billy D. Williams is not in this one. I'm yeah. hoping that he'll be one of the future ones. Maybe. Apparently, though, the original cast is mainly just going to be in this first one to kind of launch it and yeah. give it over to new characters. Yeah. So maybe they're keeping that kind of hidden away. Maybe. maybe maybe Billy D is in there, but they don't want to tell us because that's giving away too much. Yeah, perhaps so. But I sure do. Billy D Williams, you cannot get smoother than Billy D. Than Billy D. Yeah. <laughs> Colt Forty Five does it every time. That <laughs> original cast, they're you know they're not getting any younger. You know, Harrison already had a you know a bit of an injury, which he has healed up from, and he's back to filming, which happy about. Uh, but you know, they're not getting any younger. They they really don't have much time that they can use them. Yeah. But anyways, we we'll keep moving now on to some other Disney news. Okay, does anybody have a clue? Uh, it's DJ Dead Mouse, and he spells his name funny. It's like Dead Maw Five. Uh, but it, does anybody have ever even heard of this guy? No. I, I saw him in the Grammys two or three years ago. It really wasn't anything special. He has basically a Mickey Mouse type head. Exactly. And- but instead of having enough face with eyes, it has kind of just it, it lights up and beats to the music. And it's got X'd out eyes on this big helmet mask thing. And apparently, he's been doing this for like ten years. And really, when you look at it, it does kind of look like Mickey Mouse. And so apparently, Disney has been taking him to court. Uh, I was reading actually some some stuff about this that. This seems to be like a follow-up because I guess at some point he did try to get himself licensed to have that as his symbol through Disney, and they were not you know, going to play ball with him. And now he's turned around and claimed that there's some sort of Mickey video that uses some of his music. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're, you're planning to go uh, toe-to-toe with Muhammad Disney. You're about to get beat down. Time to be quiet and change your helmet there, Dead Mouse. Muhammad Disney. <laughs> yes. He's he's it's just it's just dumb. Don't go up against Disney like this. It's not smart, and nobody cares who you are anyway. He's making a name for himself though, because now we know who he is. Yeah, he's an idiot with mouse ears. A nail on the head, my friend. <laughs> there you go. Well, okay, moving on. In the obvious department, Frozen will be retold in this year's Disney on Ice. Okay, is anybody shocked by this? No. Yeah. In fact, it's even coming on Once Upon a Time this year because it, it, right. not that I watch the show anymore, but 
my wife does, and at the end of it, you get to see what's her head, the frozen Elsa. Elsa. Yeah, although they hadn't cast Elsa at the time, they just showed. Well, here, yeah, let's need to get a random blonde in the, the Android. Yeah. <laughs> now they've cast, and they're actually been showing. I've seen a little bit of commercial. I still don't care, but if you're a fan yeah. of that show. Have to it to each their own. <laughs> to each their own. I I tried to watch the first episode and I was irritated with it. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. They, they ruined Peter Pan to me. <laughs> yeah, they ruined a lot of things to me. But they've got a fan base. Yeah, they do. You know what? I, I admit, I am I am binge watching it right now, getting caught up. I do enjoy it. it it's oh, fun. Like I said, to each their own. Well, that's good for you. But uh, yeah, I I couldn't get into it. I just didn't like it. Of course, you were able to enjoy Maleficent somehow or another too. So you know. Exactly. I totally understand Jesse. <laughs> oh, he's a good enough guy. He ain't hurting anybody. <laughs> he ain't hurting nobody. We just he manages to like stuff that somehow we just can't figure it out. But that's I will okay. say this about Once Upon a Time, though. One thing that they have been good of doing is they're, they're pretty good at getting you interested in these characters, even though sometimes they change characters around a little a bit. A lot. They, but they uh, they're pretty good about giving you a deeper story about some of them and. I like some of the casting they've done. I know I've recognized a lot of. They could just be side actors from other shows that I've known throughout the years, but they're, they've gotten pretty good cast members here and there. They've, they've come in for just a little bit and, and surprised you. <laughs> the, the nice thing is they're breaking the mold on the characters. They're not. It's, it's not who you thought it was, but there's so much more than there could be. Yeah. All I know is I like the characters the way they were. So <laughs> I'm old and set in my ways, darn it. <laughs> Get off my lawn, you stupid kids. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, here's something else. Now, this is something that uh, I think is it's a bit odd, and I think mainly just because I don't like seeing Starbucks every freaking place. But Starbucks is expanding their presence in Disney, and they're going to be in the Disney Hollywood Studios come 2015. Uh, now, see, uh, my big issue I have with Starbucks is rooted in uh, there was this kind of mom and pop little coffee shop and soda shop that me and some of my friends used to hang out in, and then Starbucks showed up, and the next thing you know, the mom and pop shops are gone. And so I kind of have issues with Starbucks of driving out a lot of the mom and pop shops that I really enjoyed, and I have never, never had anything from Starbucks, and I, I don't plan to. Well, I guess you could say Starbucks is kind of the Walmart, yeah. uh, and in the sense of the big, uh, you know, companies. But the truth is, I got no problem with Walmart. Got no problem with Starbucks myself. But I will say, there's something about the mom and pop shops that do have kind of yeah. a personal. When it comes feel. to a coffee shop or a soda shop or a little cafes, little diners like that, I hate it when they get closed down like yeah. that. That's there's true. just something special about those old things, and so I, you know, I, I, I'm weird. I have issues, and so I don't, you know, <laughs> I know it's big business for Disney, so it's definitely good for Disney because Starbucks will, you know, I'm sure their Disney's taking their half off the top of everything Starbucks is making. I'm by, just too cheap to buy coffee. I'm not a big coffee man. <laughs> yeah, anyway. ten dollars for a cup of coffee. Woo! Yeah, you know, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, you know, I, I drink coffee almost every day, but I'll make it at home or at work because I'm going to Starbucks. Yeah, on the road from work, I'll go there because it's consistent, and I know I'm getting the same thing every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in terms of Starbucks in the park, I have no problem with any kind of corporate sponsorship with Disney. They've been doing that since Disneyland first opened, even before yeah, Cola. opened. Yeah. I mean, they use corporate sponsorship to create the show for Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. They used ABC money. Before Disney owned ABC, they used ABC money to build a Disneyland. Yeah. No problem with that at all. Yep. I don't like Starbucks, but they're doing good for business. And uh, and apparently, although a lot of people were worried that they would kind of alter the look of, uh, of Main Street there, apparently they managed to fit right in and still look good. 
So I figure Starbucks doing a Hollywood kind of style look would probably fit right in. You know, if, if I, I still I, won't go. Jeremy <laughs> West in Disneyland for Prince of the Magic. I did go to the Starbucks on Main Street at Disneyland. And was it as good as outside of the park? Say, say it again. Was it as good as outside of the park, or does it taste maybe better inside the park? Uh, same taste. Like, like I said, it's consistent wherever you go. Um, they had a special cup, which I can show a picture of. To you. I can post a picture on the website. Um, but no, it was, it was the same same Starbucks, no difference, and it was it was a restaurant. It didn't take away from the experience on Main Street at, at all. That's good. Cool. Cool. Okay, okay. something else cool. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit is headed for Disney's California Adventure and apparently already made some appearances in a, like a parade going through. Uh, there was some footage actually from Sarah, I'm not even going to say their last name, from the Skywalking Through Neverland. They shared some fun photos and a little bit of video of this. I'm excited about this because since they've gotten Oswald, you know, they've, they've managed to use him in the Epic Mickey games, loving having him in there. But it seemed other than that, they had maybe a few toys for a little bit and then gone. And uh, what they, they, the first put him i think in tokyo disneyland they had an oswald at like a gas station but so it's finally it's good to see him in the states and i would really like for them to integrate him into like these new cartoons they're making with mickey mouse i would love to see oswald start popping up in there speaking of which i saw those on dvd today which i thought was neat that the the, the older style ones that we're talking they're the ones that you and i are watching on youtube yeah they have the kind of weird style but yet some of the vintage look but yet kind of a new stylized slick with well, SpongeBob level humor, I saw, a coll- <laughs> I saw a collection of those on DVD today at uh, Walmart. Cool, I might get those. I, I, I like them. Yeah, yeah. Did any of you guys see Frozen in the theaters? Yep. Okay, so you saw the short Get a Horse before the movie, right? Yes, it was better than the movie. I liked Frozen, but Get a Horse was like twice. It was so good. I what loved they it. did that I thought was really cool was uh, first of all I have not gotten to see a Horace in quite some time Horace yeah. Horse Collar yes. yeah that was great to see him getting used and uh, what first caught my attention I said I don't know that I've ever seen this one this is how at first I thought it really was an old one and I said <laughs> I said I don't know if I've ever seen this one before and then something happened where Clarabelle uh, was that her name the, Clarabelle Cow Clarabelle yep. Cow she suddenly grabbed an udder and I was like wait a minute this has to be a newer one because Walt probably wouldn't have done that <laughs> And then, maybe. And, and then know. when I saw, then when I it started going, I was like, okay, this has to be a new one. Then all of a sudden, of course, they break through the screen right. and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, all right. It was brilliant, <laughs> and uh, I didn't. They didn't win anything for that one, though. They didn't get an Oscar or anything. The did sound they? effects and everything was perfect, just yeah. like the old stuff. But did, did you see the Oswald appearance at the end of the cartoon? No, I, I I'm gonna have to go watch it again now. At the very end, right before it shrinks to black. Oswald sticks his head out for like one second. Huh. I have not noticed that. <gasps> okay, well, there's something I will I will research and watch now. I actually did do some research this week after speaking with Sarah and Richard last week, uh, and I did dig up on, uh, and I found out that DirecTV does have some sort of video on demand with Disney XD, so hopefully I'll be able to see Rebels uh, five days early. But I did get to see those three-minute clips that they've kind of introduced some of the characters this week, so I did get some catch-up, and it is good stuff, and it's all on YouTube. Uh, But, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I haven't gotten to see it. I saw that Subway has uh, the, their little bags of that show. Yeah, I'm going to have to go to Subway. <laughs> <laughs> Subway's a good place. It's going to be a great show. 
So, yeah, I've done my homework from last week, so now my homework for this week was I'm going to have to watch Get a Horse about 20 more times just because I love it. And look for Oswald. Holy yeah. cow. I, I get an image of him on the um, on the Facebook page before um, too long. Cool. What I would like to see is, a, I, know, no, I seriously doubt they'd ever do this, but how great it would be to have Oswald and Roger together on a little <laughs> on a cartoon that'd be a lot of fun well the creator of roger rabbit actually uh i forgot his name or off the top of my head but he has been actually leaning towards the concept of having roger rabbit and mickey mouse together in something called the stooge now i don't know if this would be like a remake of the old story there was a movie i saw once with dean martin and jerry yeah. lewis the stooge yeah, where one was this you know highly professional he's a singer he's dean martin and then he had his you know like they had in vaudeville days you'd have your stooge which was your comedian and uh, some guys kind of convinced Neen Martin's character that he was better without his stooge, Jerry Lewis. And I'm wondering if that one might be some of the idea, because that would be awesome. If you have Mickey, who, I'm the polished, I'm the real superstar, and then have Roger as his stooge. If that's what the idea is, and that comes to fruition, I will be so happy. Ironically speaking, later on when Dean and Marty, or Dean and, uh, uh, oh, uh, Jerry went their own way, Dean did do a lot better without him. <laughs> so you never uh, know. Ironic. Jerry idea. Lewis wasn't that funny without a straight man, I don't think. I, some people just need somebody to build them up. Yeah, you just need that. But team. yeah, the, I, I, I want to see that cartoon. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. Roger Rabbit. Love him. <laughs> Have you heard anything else on, oh, Gary Wolf is the creator of Roger Rabbit. Have you ever heard anything else on that, Jesse? No, I haven't, actually. Okay, well, we'll just wait until we actually get something confirmed on that one. All right, it's time to go beyond Disney. Uh, I really need to get a, a sound clip. So somebody impersonating Buzz Lightyear going to Disney and beyond whenever I go this far. But <laughs> I, I need to find a Buzz Lightyear impersonator. If you are a Buzz Lightyear impersonator, please email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Well, I heard of this one guy named Tim Allen. He does pretty good at sounding <laughs> Yeah, he like pretty Buzz. good sounds like Buzz. You think we can get him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, by the way, hey, Mr. Allen, we're this little podcast in Kansas City. Oh, and we have a guy in California. Hey. hey. So well, you'd come and do our show. Do, 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 do. And next time, bring Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> That'll go over real well. Anyway, so on NBC's Constantine, which I've heard is kind of iffy, and I'm not really a fan of the character anyway, uh, but here his TV show is coming this fall on NBC. But uh, Emmett Scanlon, who's best known for playing Brandon Brady on Holyoaks, I've never even heard of this show, uh, but he's set to play Jim Corrigan in the upcoming series. uh, And he's also known as The Spectre. Now, Philip might know a little Uh, bit more about this character. I know The Spectre. He's a great character. And uh, he, he started making his way back in the 1940s, mostly, uh, whenever people like Hawkman and uh, uh, Sandman and uh, uh, people, the Midnight, different people like that were being created. He was part of the uh, Justice Society of America. This was before the Justice League. The JSA. JSA. And uh, he's an interesting character. Later on, years and years later, the Spectre, uh, they changed the character and uh, Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern became the Spectre for just a couple of years. Huh. And they changed it back. But he's, he's a very interesting character. Kind of spooky. <laughs> That's probably why he fits into the Constantine show. Which, yeah. Now, he's set to play Jim Corrigan, but uh, I haven't heard anything about if he's going to appear as the Spectre or not. This might be just a good move to they're trying to spruce up the series because it didn't appear to have gone over as well as they wanted to at hmm. Comic-Con. And so they, but they have time to fix it up and make it a little better. I'm kind of glad to hear that DC is starting to take some of their side characters and build them up. They should do that. There's so many good characters of DC, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but that don't get a whole lot of attention. 
and I love Superman, I love Batman, and I love Wonder Woman, but after a while I want to see some of the other characters too. Yeah, which is what Marvel's managing to succeed in doing with Guardians of the Galaxy. You've yeah. got some unknowns that are suddenly now prominent and now the biggest movie of the summer, and it was a great movie. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, we're going to keep on some DC news, which we're, this is going to go over Jesse's head still. <laughs> but uh, I think you – have you been watching Arrow, Jesse? No, actually I haven't. I actually don't watch much TV at all. Okay. Well, Arrow, uh, the series, has cast Matthew Ray- Matthew Nabel as Rachel Ghoul. Uh, he's a former rugby player, and he's become an actor, and he was seen in the 2013 movie Riddick. So I don't know much about him. I've seen a picture of him. I think he's got a pretty good look for the part. This is, once again, though, Arrow stealing villains from Batman. Yeah. Does Green Arrow not have any villains of his own that would work for his show? He, Arrow has uh, some interesting villains, but the truth be told, none that are really huge. I mean, he's got maybe five or six characters that Arrow fans, some of my Green Arrow fans would know, but quite honestly, in order to do that, they have to get into magic and other things like that. So I, I think the show is trying to stay away from some of those things. They're trying to be realistic as much as although, they can. Although, i got to be honest, I I kinda, guess, yeah. although I enjoy some of that, I wish that these shows would realize you are a comic book. Yeah. You know, you are Arrow or you're Flash. You cannot really have these characters without a certain type of, uh, of fantasy. <laughs> yeah, which is something I think, uh, you know, Disney, I think, is doing fine with Marvel because they're treating it like, you know what, this is a comic book. Let's go, go ahead and go for it and have weird aliens and things. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Sony over with Amazing Spider-Man, with Amazing Spider-Man 2 specifically, I've heard a lot of complaints of people, well, I liked the movie, and then the Rhino showed up, and that was not the Rhino. And that's kind of true. They did this weird mechanized thing, and it was kind of cool, and we like Paul Giamatti, but that's not what we were expecting for Rhino. We got, like, a big weird transformer suit, uh, and but, but it's that same angle of, even though we've had Electro, so a guy is running around throwing electricity around, but, wow, a guy in a weird Rhino suit, just not realistic enough, so we have to come up with a big machine for him to make it realistic <laughs> and disappoint the fans that are like, that's, what is this? Well, yeah. I think there's a fine balance. It's got to be hard making these movies. Yeah. There's a fine balance somewhere, and, I, and I'll use Batman as an example. I personally love the Batman films, and I'm talking about uh, since 1989, which I think was yeah. the, my which, favorite. Which, by the way, happy birthday, Michael Keaton, 63 there years old go. today, as at the time of this recording, anyway. Yeah, you're awesome, buddy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, those were, uh, that first one was great. Second one, Batman Returns, not quite as good, and then they got sillier and sillier. Oh yeah! And then in the new ones, the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises. In my opinion, they're a tad bit too serious, yeah. but I still liked them. I thought yeah, they, were they were great good movies, movies, wonderful movies, but a little too serious. I think what you need somewhere is a balance in between those. Yeah, you don't want to get to the uh, uh, the over the top silliness of Batman and Robin. <laughs> but, but, or even the '60s series, yeah, that wouldn't fly if they made it now. No, they wouldn't fly. Even though but the we com- love it, even yeah. though at the com- at the time the comic books were more like that, yeah, the 1960s yeah. ones. But either way, you, you know, you need somewhere you need a balance where it, it's it could be somewhat realistic but somewhat fantasy, somewhere in between. Yep. Well, uh, speaking of trying to do something a little bit more fantastic, uh, Greg Berlanti, who's developed Arrow and The Flash for the CW, is confirmed that he is working on bringing Supergirl to TV. Mm. Now, I know Jesse has shared this with our Facebook page, and you were scratching your head over this. Are you unfamiliar with Supergirl? I saw the 80s movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, I gotta say, Helen Slater was pretty cute. 
It still is. And she still is, even at her, yeah, being older. I will say Smallville did a very great thing. Smallville started, even though they did change a few things, it wasn't a whole, whole lot. And one thing I liked that they did was they would try to get old superhero actors, usually DC superhero actors, to come back. And one of them was Helen Slater. She played his mother. She played, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Lara. Yeah. And so that was kind of nice to see her playing that role. <laughs> now, you were a fan of Smallville, right, Jesse? I was. Those the first few seasons. Yeah. Uh, did you get to see where they brought Supergirl in? No, I did not know they did that. That girl was good at Supergirl. She was very she attractive. She was cute, too. <laughs> but the truth is, is uh, I, I'll agree, I have them all. But my, my favorite has to be the first five. Yeah. The greatest, yeah. Yeah. But so Supergirl's coming to TV, but we don't know exactly when. But it is confirmed they're working on it. That might be good. Now, you think they'll maybe tie it back and maybe give a chance for um, uh, uh, whoever played uh, – I want to say Tom Felton, and that's the wrong guy entirely. But it was Tom something who played, who? Who played Clark in Smallville. Oh, uh, Tom, Tom Wellington. Wellington yeah. yeah. Maybe they give him a chance to kind of come back on the Supergirl series, you think? Or? He was a great He's a, He was really good in that role. I sure – well, I always wished after Smallville – this is just me. I kind of wanted to have a show uh, with the same actors called Justice. I would have thought that would have been a great idea because they had a pretty good build. They had a Flash. Yeah. They had Green Arrow and that. They had a whole bunch of good characters built even a Martian Manhunter. Yeah. And it, it was really, really good. And so, But we'll see what they do with this. Yeah, well, because they've they got a movie now for the Justice League on, yeah. uh, in the works that uh, we'll just see how Dawn of Justice goes, goes over with everyone first. <laughs> okay, now here's actually something that uh, Jesse had, uh, had latched onto and was br- had brought up. Uh, actually, I think you mentioned it on the show. But uh, it's finally confirmed. WWE, um, of course, I'm all over WWE. Yeah, yep, there you go. go. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson is back. Now, he has previously done some Disney movies, so this is like changing sides. Well, he should be playing a Marvel character. But instead, he's finally confirmed to play Black Adam. That's perfect. The Tooth Fairy never happened. <laughs> I no. kind of liked the Tooth Fairy. I thought it was kind of cute. Was, it was bad, but it was cute bad. It was cute, yeah. What I found was ironic about that is every time I draw a cartoon picture of a Tooth Fairy, I'd always... Say what is so untooth fairy like? So I would draw a tooth fairy looking a lot like Hulk Hogan type. <laughs> so whenever I saw that the Rock was going to be playing a tooth fairy, I thought, well, that's kind of ironic there. Yeah, and I, I liked the game plan that the other one he did for Disney. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was not bad. And then I didn't see Race to Winch Mountain. Rich, yep, that one. I tried to watch it, but I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, but. Uh, Anyways, uh, but he's confirmed to play Black Adam. Perfect now, choice. Darren Lemke, who uh, he wrote Jack the Giant Slayer, Slayer and Turbo, he will yeah. be drafting the script for a film. Now, Warner Brothers is releasing it through New Line Cinema, which is interesting because normally, you know, they've been releasing their DC characters through their main Warner Brothers thing. I don't know what the decision is to release through New Line. Uh, if, uh, if they're maybe, you know, wanting to go a little, a little bit more violent with it or something. Because I have seen in some comics where Black Adam, when he wants to kill oh, somebody, he will crush their head in his hands. He's a monster. He's vicious. But i got to say, I'm, I'm so thrilled, thrilled to hear that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is playing Black Adam and not Shazam or Captain Marvel. Because the truth is, is he fits Black Adam he, perfectly. Yeah. That, that'll be great. We'll I can't have to hide to his what, tattoos. I can't wait to see what they do with this. No. Uh, we'll get into this more in a few minutes, I'm sure. But isn't Black Adam more of a anti-villain than anything else? Yeah, they're trying to call him an anti-hero. No, I'm not. I'm I know him more as a villain than an anti-hero. He's of any a, sort. he's very egotistical. Which, no offense, Dwayne, I love you, but 
that's perfect for him because <laughs> yeah. his, the character of the rock not Dwayne himself but the character of the rock is kind of an egotistical dude yeah and he was supposed to be a villain at one point but the truth is is he's kind of affable even in his villainy so that you almost couldn't help but like him so that's what I'm hoping that the Adam Black Adam is going to be like because I think he's he thinks that he's doing right but he's egotistical and he wants all the power and and uh, he's kind of the opposite of Captain Marvel or Shazam. Yeah. Well, one thing I've kind of noticed with uh, with uh, with some of the good villains is they don't realize how much of a villain they really are. They just have their goal of what they think the world should be like, and they're pushing for that world of how they think it should be. And they don't realize the destruction they're really causing, and that their vision of the world is really twisted. Yeah. So they're so arrogant they almost just don't care. There are few there are there are few villains that are really just you know what hey I'm evil and I like being evil. Yeah, back in the eighties when you had you know. people like uh, uh, oh uh, Skeletor, yeah, and Cobra Commander, it, it yeah, is over the top. I'm evil and I enjoy being evil. <laughs> there are still villains like that, and we'll talk about that because that's actually a subject I want to touch when we start getting into our main discussion. But one last thing I I got to throw out there: there is so much. Um, Excitement! I guess you know. There, everybody's pretty sure that Gotham is going to be a good show. That Netflix has already signed the deal that they're exclusively <laughs> going to carry Gotham after its run yeah. on television. The Netflix will be carrying it. Now, I don't know how fast they're going to get it because, like Hulu, can you know pick yeah. up picks up shows like a, a couple days later, the, the it'll day be after, on there, usually, yeah. like the day after. So I'm wondering if Netflix will pick up on Gotham that quickly. The, well, the rumor that I've heard, and like I said, I have you know no confirmation on this, but I've, I've heard that uh, Netflix is going to get them very soon, right after, and that even if the show doesn't do well on TV, that Netflix will get the rights to finish the entire season. Which, yeah, that's what they did with The Cape, which I still didn't get to watch the final episode of that. I actually enjoyed that show, but it it didn't get the ratings it needed to keep going. And it it was bold. It was trying to basically create its own new kind of superhero and uh, make it realistic in its own way. I was watching a TV show the other day where they were using the voice of uh, that... Wonderful African American actor, and his name for some reason just slipped my mind. But he was on that show, uh, the Cape. On the Cape, yeah, and yeah. He was the voice he, of Spawn. Yeah, he was. Uh, I believe he was on uh, uh, the Princess and the Frog. Yes, he was Doctor Facilier. He was awesome. Well, anyway, he was doing a narration of a show. It was a comedy, and they, they said something about. Oh, are you like that? Yeah, this is something like. Oh, isn't it like that show, The Cape? He goes, I've never heard of that show. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you excited about Gotham, Jesse? I'm actually very excited about Gotham. Uh, I think it's... I, I, I haven't seen any of the DC shows on uh, the CW since Smallville. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm always drawn to Batman, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they do this origin story. Yeah, yeah and this is actually going to be on uh, on Fox, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah right. Which, is, which is different than the yeah, usual. This is different, going through Fox. So, well, I'm, kinda hoping for, I'm hoping they'll do what I hoped that Smallville would do. I'm hoping they'll go for a few years and then almost switch over to a different show, go ahead a few years. Because I personally thought that Smallville should have eventually changed to Metropolis. And they did. Oh, yeah, but something they like that. And then, then you get to see him as Superman. I'm kind of hoping that's what they'll do with, with this. Not that you need to see Batman necessarily, but it would be nice if you go a few years and then it go into Batman Year One type of type of ordeal. Yeah, we'd like to see how this goes. Yep. The, other, the other idea, because I, I know there was talk when they were doing Superman Returns, was having Tom Welling play that character. Would, would they move this into a big screen for like a series finale or a relaunch of Batman? 
Well, not with now that they're moving forward with Ben Affleck to be the new Batman, and they're and that's how they're beginning to interconnect a lot of the DC characters because in this new Batman versus Superman, they've already shown that Wonder Woman's going to be appearing, and they're already starting to look at other actors to play other DC characters. So it seems like with Man of Steel. Warner Brothers is really trying to now create a cinematic DC universe, and they're going to eventually put together a Justice League. So I don't expect to see anybody that's on the TV necessarily connected in with the movies. Uh, well, I guess they could because I guess with Arrow they've kind of relaunched a few Flash, things, and they've kind of and with Flash they've connected to Air Green, the Arrow and Flash series. Maybe they could connect that into the cinematic because they did break away from Smallville, and Smallville is no longer current canon to their cinematic yeah. universe. So. Uh, I don't know. Gotham could still kind of maybe fit because it could be like the early days before the Ben Affleck Batman. So could be. We'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Fox probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably. Well, Warner Brothers still owns the characters, so I don't know what the deal is they have with Fox. I have no idea. Well, yeah, we'll find out. I simply think it's very brave because I personally didn't care for the Man of Steel much as far as uh, yeah. the, the attitude. Uh, and and it, what I've seen is about fifty-fifty. I think it's pretty brave to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, you know, that's it. I think that they should kind of have other directors come in and help out. Yeah, instead of Zack Snyder. Yeah. <sighs> oh well. We'll see what they do. Well, all right. Daredevil Batman scares me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and come right back with a talk about heroes. Once a year, Disney fans from all across the country converge on one little town. Once a year, cartoonists and artists are invited to share their talents, stories, and art with these Disney fans. Once a year, the magic of Disney is centrally located in one place. Walt Disney's boyhood home, Marceline, Missouri. The Neverland Podcast invites you to come to ToonFest 2014 in Marceline, Missouri, September 20th, 2014, for a visit to the original Main Street, USA. Jeremy, host of the Neverland Podcast, will be there to meet you with prizes. Be one of the first to find me and tell me where you heard this promo, and you win. It's kind of like Where's Waldo? only with a bit of Disney magic thrown in. He could be watching the parade, shopping for classic Disney items in the antique shops, exploring the Walt Disney Hometown Museum, listening to a cartoonist at the community center, visiting Walt's Dreaming Tree, or eating something. I'll be the guy in the Neverland Podcast t-shirt stuffing his face. Small town festivals have some of the best food. Kettle corn. Mmm. <clears throat> For full details, visit www.neverlandpodcast.com or www.tunefest.net. If you're planning to make a trip to Marceline, Missouri on September 20th, Jeremy would love to meet you. The parade begins on Main Street at 10 a.m. Central Time. Don't miss it. So, question for you, Jesse. What to you makes a good hero? What makes a good hero? Mm -hmm. uh, someone you can believe in. Mm -hmm. 
uh, someone you can trust. Yeah. And someone who can pin the heel to the ground for a three count. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go wrestling on this too. So go. yeah. And yeah, that's some of the things with with heroes. Also, is we have them in wrestling and we have them in real life. But I think one thing also that we, we find is a good quality is that self sacrificial type of thing. Where and I'm, I'm going to use a Rocky analogy too, where he t- where uh, in that Rocky Balboa movie, it's like it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Yeah. And that's a, a good hero who will he will lay down his life and everything. But if he's still living and he's still breathing, he's going to get up and keep fighting that villain and keep protecting those people or whatever. You know, he doesn't quit. Yeah. But that's how heroes are made, though. Too is when they when they get to that point where they've they've. They've given, sacrificed everything for that one goal that's, you know, saving people. And uh, I really need to play the clip of uh, Aunt May from Spider-Man 2 right about now. He knows a hero when he sees one. Too few characters out there flying around like that, saving old girls like me. Lord knows kids like Henry need a hero. Courageous, self-sacrificing people, setting examples for all of us. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer them, scream their names, and years later they'll tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who taught him to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble. And finally allows us to die with pride. Even though sometimes we have to be steady and and give up the thing we want the most. Even our dreams. When I think of a hero myself, I think of, of there's a lot of heroes. I love a lot of the fictional, uh, fictionary heroes, if we want to call them that. Fictional characters. I enjoy that. But I also think of real heroes. Uh, people who it seems to me that most of the time they're very humble, yeah, and a lot yep. of humility. And uh, people like Audie Murphy, no, not Eddie Murphy, Audie Murphy, uh, Audie Murphy, a, a World War II hero who thought didn't think much of himself, or uh, Sergeant Alvin York, yeah, you know, he wasn't Great really movie, by the wasn't way. even a sergeant really, yeah, but uh, but he was a hero and was very humble, didn't think of himself as a hero. And, uh, he just did what he thought was right. That's what he had to do. And that's something else makes a hero. Doing what you know is right, regardless of the cost and regardless of the risk. You're just doing it because, no, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of real-life heroes, like in the military and then uh, you know, police, firemen, the people who, who are sacrificially doing what they knew is right. And so that's kind of our basics for, for a hero. And I think a lot of our, our thought on a hero, uh, I, I like to refer to a biblical reference that I won't get into necessarily on this show because we're not trying to be a religious show. But go read the New Testament, people, and you'll see a lot of the things of what we think of as a hero displayed pretty well. So, but yeah, so that's what we think of as a hero. And a lot of other things from myth comes along where, you know, maybe they're, they know somehow, you know, like, like Luke Skywalker. He knows he's different in that in the New Hope, and we've kind of meet him. He knows there's something special, and he wants more than where he's at. And he's you know maybe dreams over at the binary sunset, which is interesting because also you could draw that parallel to not only Harry Potter because he's stuck in a confinement and locked away by his oppressive uh, uncle and aunt, but he knows there's something different about him, and he's meant for other things. But you could also say the same thing about Voldemort. He knew he was special. 
But so that's I think that's something that can make something interesting between a hero or or a villain is maybe knowing that you're meant for something greater. But what is it you're choosing to do that is greater? Are you going to go out and you know, hey, I'm going to protect these people that I care about. I'm going to fight the villain who's trying to harm these people. Or are you going to be the one like, you know what? I am special. I'm better than all of you. I'm going to use what makes me special against you unless you fall in line with what I want. I was liking a story where the villain is um, doesn't necessarily think of himself as bad, but he justifies little things that really aren't that little. They end up being big things, yeah. and they, they define the character. If you ever want to see a good movie like this, watch the movie Un- Unbreakable. Yeah. That's a good, good movie. Yeah. You know, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, a great movie. Very underrated movie. Very underrated. It's one of my yeah. favorites. <laughs> but one villain like that who justifies what he does, other than Voldemort, because Voldemort feels very justified. I don't think Voldemort no, considers himself evil. No, he But Darth Vader. Yeah. As presented, especially from the prequels, we kind of get where he just wants order. He thinks if he can control things, then he can have peace and order and uh, just society. If only he can control it all. And so, you know, he doesn't realize that the more he tightens his grips, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. <laughs> you know, so that's part of what makes a villain also is some of the same things that can make a hero. And depending upon if your, your whole concept is I'm going to just protect what I think is you know right you know protect these people or I'm going to go to any means to do things the way I want them done which you might not realize that you're evil at that point but you if you try to do things your way because it must be my way you might be the villain so all right so there's an establishment of what we have with heroes so now we've got like that thing in our head uh, we need to help kind of introduce the world of superheroes, supervillains. Now, if you've been following us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast, or at Twitter, uh, at NeverlandPCast, you've been seeing, I, I currently I'm in the villain section right now, but we've been posting up some uh, old 1992 trading cards front and back, so you've gotten to see some characters you are familiar with, and we'll go ahead and talk about some of those. So, Jesse, since you're the kind of the uninitiated, you've learned some Marvel characters, what are some characters that uh, you've kind of connected with? Um, that I've connected with? Wow. Yeah, well, like, is there, is there like, any of the particular heroes from Marvel that you've been like, wow, I really like that character. That's really cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I've always, always, always been drawn to Hulk. Ah, yeah. yeah. All, always. That's always been one of my favorite guys. Um, Hulk smash. Yeah, Hulk smash. <laughs> were you a fan of the old series when we were all kids? That was after my bedtime. Yeah, you've been alive during that because you're only younger than me. So, of course, the Incredible Hulk series used to scare me to death uh, when he when he when it would come on. But I had to sit through it in order to watch Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> well, uh, I, I watched it once in a while, but like I said, it was literally it was about my bedtime was when it would come on. Oh, like I you said, before your time, but your oh. bedtime before my bedtime. Uh-huh. Like, like seriously, all the good shows I want to watch: The A Team, Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, couldn't stay up that late. Ah, I was the same way with Magna PI. <laughs> I, it would when Magna would come on, it'd be time for me to do the dishes and get ready to go to bed. You know, not fun at all. And I, just, I wanted to see them all. I, now I own them all. And I watch them a lot. But yeah, and they're but, all on Netflix now. That's too, right. So yay! <laughs> so there you go. So I don't think the A Team is there yet. But anyways, we digress. So, you know, these characters, even when you're a kid, and that's how I think I came across most of the characters, is, like, you, did you watch the Incredible Hulk animated series on Saturday mornings? 
No, I was watching in the 80s for cartoons was He-Man and Ninja Turtles. Okay. okay. Well, very cool. Okay. He-Man counts as he's, he's kind of a superhero. He's had a secret identity, even. And that works. But, uh, yeah, back in the early 80s, they had, uh, let's see, I, there was a Spider-Man series that I completely missed, but then we did see the, Spider-Man and his amazing, amazing friends, friends, which that that took off pretty well, and so they did an Incredible Hulk animated series back in the 80s at that same time. And that's how I actually got to where I did I could like the Hulk, because I was seeing him as an animated, and it wasn't this scary guy who was suddenly turning into Lou Ferrigno, which Lou Ferrigno is actually, he's big, but he's not scary. He's a cool guy. But when he was green and breaking things, boy, that scared me. <laughs> well, I like this. Hulk was kind of the first anti-hero in a sense. You know, yeah. he was thought of as a, uh, in the eyes of the world around him, people thought yeah. of him as a monster. But he really wanted to help in yeah, a lot of he ways. Did. He also wanted to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, just let me be. Let me alone. I think it's one reason why Don't so, make many, me angry. so many people can connect with him, though, is I think we all feel that we have that. The, the, I don't know if you want to say the good and the bad, but more or less uh, that you have that side of you, like, if you push me too far... Yeah, I may do something I don't want to do. I'll be a monster. <laughs> don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. That's right. I will, I will rage. <laughs> I, sound like you were going to say something, Jesse, or is that an echo I'm getting? No, I was saying exactly. I was agreeing with oh, that. Okay. Don't make me angry. Yeah, Exactly. Because, yeah, most of us are nice people until we snap. <laughs> then, then it's not so nice. It's for no father. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what kind of got me started into liking Spider-Man, uh, was watching Spider-Man and his amazing friends and everything. But uh, uh, I didn't, you know, since I, I really didn't have money as a kid, so I didn't get to read a lot of comics. So it wasn't until, like, later I got started getting to read into things. And I was watching, you know, the He-Man, like you were saying, and Ninja Turtles, but also... Uh, on syndication here in Kansas City, they used to show the 1960s Batman right after He-Man. Yeah. So every day was He-Man, and we'd, we'd watch Batman. And so that's the concept of Batman I had, and I've discussed this with uh, with uh, Scott and Tracy from Disney, Indiana. Uh, and so I did get more exploratory into Batman when the movie came out and everything, because, boy, Batman oh, yeah. was everything. And I remember there was a trip you and I were on with yep. uh, our youth group at the church. We were going to Arkansas, I, I think it was. Yep. Down in Pine, Pine, was Pine, that when we were canoeing? Yeah, Pineville, Missouri, and it's right on the border to Arkansas. Ah, so we'd go to both. We'd go to Eureka Springs, yeah. and we bought some Batman stuff there, but we had some comics we were reading in the back of the I van. I still have those comics. You still have them. <laughs> yeah, like detective comics. So, you know, that that kind of got me to where I was going, and I had to borrow a lot of stuff to read, you know, and I, I got more into I was more of a Marvel guy, although I did like Batman and Superman because I was watching the Superman movies, uh, you know, of course, when I was younger. And so then later I started getting more into Marvel and like the X-Men and Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man really connected with me when I got to finally read his origin story uh, sitting in a doctor's office there was a reprint of his origin and uh, uh, everybody knows the story at this point if you've seen any of the movies of not stopping one burglar and that burglar then killing his uncle then learning wow with great power comes great responsibility that struck a chord with me and I've been a Spider-Man fan ever since of like yeah that's part of also what makes a hero is because, like, when you look at Superman, he doesn't have to really sacrifice himself. He can take it. You know, he's he's Superman. But the, the sacrificing of his time and the responsibility he takes to everything of having those powers and trying to do good things with them and trying to help and trying to be kind of the, that, that beacon for, for everybody. Like, hey, you know, I'm Superman. Everything's going to be all right because I'm here, you know? Yeah. He didn't want to get too involved, but he wants to help, you know? Right. I think that's one of the only things they did really, really good on in Superman Returns was where he's up above 
the world. And he's listening. And he's listening and yeah. you hear things and he shoots down and you know, that was that was really good. Yeah, that was very, 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 very cool. I like him. But that's where that's- we kind of got into it and everything, at least how I got into these type of characters. But, uh, you know, let's let's dig back into the past to where all this kind of started from. So let's go before Jesse was born and before we were born. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll start actually with the very first. Now, I've heard the, I've heard the creators of Popeye want to claim Popeye is the first superhero, but he wasn't. He was the first funny character, really, that was kind of, kind of almost superhero-ish. And we love Popeye. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back in the old comics, you know, it used to be they would collect the... Uh, like the comic strips you get in the newspapers, they used to collect those into books, and so you know kids were buying them, and that was kind of how it worked. And then suddenly, they got the idea that they needed like a hero, and so the first one, and I'm sure Philip's going to love to talk oh, about yeah. this, <laughs> Superman. Superman. Do you remember what year Superman debuted? Yes, 1938. 1938. My mm-hmm. goodness. He, he came around June. Of course, I say June. That was the month on the comic book, but they usually came out a month or so early. So yeah. he came out in 1938, and he changed away everything. Where just some people get weird about this, and they say, "Well, he wasn't the original superhero. There's others, the Shadow, and all." But those were, were more like pulp. Yeah, they were the pulp comics. Yeah, the, but pulp Superman, stories or whatever. Yeah, you call them. Superman kind of changed it, and then they had a lot of people trying to be like him. You yeah, know, of course. Captain Marvel was an obvious. Right, an obvious. I mean, so profile. much so that if you look at the... And back then... For those who don't know, Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam. Yeah. We just talked about his movie. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> now he's a DC character, but yeah. originally he was from Wiz Comics. <laughs> and uh, and the fact is, is, if you look at the original uh, issue of Superman and then the original Captain Marvel, and it's pretty much the same cover. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things that are a lot alike. But anyway... They, they, he was so popular that they said we need to make more characters like this, including people like Stan Lee and them. Even though he wasn't one of the big time people yet, yeah. and Marvel Comics wasn't known as Marvel Comics at the time. Yeah, Timely Comics. Timely Although Comics. they did have a title that was called Marvel Comics. Yeah, and uh, and they had people like Jack uh, Kirby mm-hmm. creating people like a Captain America and things right. like that. But you also had this character a year later created by Bob Kane by the name of. Batman. Batman. <laughs> now the interesting thing about Batman is they had seen the pulp magazines and how they were the darker characters like the Shadow were popular, and they thought, well, we need, all, yeah. yeah, they they kind of thought, well, we needed another superhero that can sell as well as Superman is, but we need to maybe go darker and try to pull some of those fans away from the Shadow, and so poof, Batman. So originally he was supposed to be kind of kind of a darker character, yeah. but that kind of got changed as things went on. Uh, and they also found a lot of their their audience that they thought all was all kids that they were they were hoping kids would spend their bubblegum money on. But they noticed like during World War II that the the soldiers were reading these comics, which is why you suddenly oh hey Captain America and suddenly also Superman was like involved in World War II, which wasn't necessarily realistic. As if Superman wanted to go and fight World War II, he had to stopped it like that. <laughs> it, the writers had a real hard time during Superman with Superman during the war because yeah. you could not have him take care of everything during the war. You <laughs> yeah. just couldn't because then the soldiers were like, well, then why am I still over here in Germany? Why am yeah. I why am I here in France? Why am I you know over yeah. here? And, yeah. So, so they had happen. like Captain America. I think was a good idea because he was like helping the troops and he was rooting out spies here in the states and stuff yeah. like that. Like the Red Skull was actually part of a spy network here. Uh, in the in the states and everything, and they were always trying to unmask and figure out who is the Red Skull anyway. Uh, so they have found ways to kind of help bolster morale, and it was a lot of uh, propaganda, really. <coughs> but it worked. But uh, then you hit around about the '60s, and uh, 
that's when things really, really kind of changed because you know the DC had really what had established happened, themselves. What had happened then. in the 1950s was there was a man, and I won't use any names, but there was a man who went a little overboard judge, judging comic books. And some of it is some yeah. people some people did go too far. You had a lot of your your uh, tales of the crypt type things, and they'd go a little too far. But because of that, this man decided that Batman and Robin were uh, a, a way to commercial a different lifestyle. And they, yeah, they, it was a bad influence to have like a young boy who was going and putting himself in danger and always running around with an older man looked creepy and weird. And so they had stuff like that that basically now comic books have become the enemy. Hey, where are all my comic books? Oh, those dreadful things. I gave those away. And there were thousands of comics that were burnt. Yeah. Well, this, this happened and, later than what I was about to bring up. <laughs> but, well, in the 50s this happened. But, well, but it, it really also took in the 60s and made some 60s comics rare as that well. That was later, but th- this yeah. first happened in the 50s, and then they, they burnt a whole bunch of comics. Yeah. But which is funny, because that, the people who kept their comics, like the Superman and, and Batman and stuff, they're now worth a lot more money yes, because, because of that. Yes, because it was rare. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, but, yeah, thanks. So Stan Lee... Yeah. yeah. Of course, we ended up with the comics code after that, to where there were yeah. certain areas, and it really restricted what you could do in story. This and is, it really hurt, like you know, books like Tales from the Crypt, the horror comics that were kind of maybe going a little over the top with some stuff that they would do. Uh, but then, of course, everybody's getting blamed for what horror comics are doing. But you know, that's what a horror comic maybe should be doing. This is why in the 1950s you have a lot of uh, bizarre Superman stories, where you meet Crypto, Supergirl, yeah, uh, the different types of Kryptonite. It was they were trying to stay away from a lot of the fighting and that kind of stuff, but it was okay. It was all right. And then in, uh, Stan Lee, he'd been do- involved with the comic book uh, for years, for more than twenty years, and he was ready to quit. He was ready to stop. And, yeah. and his wife said, "Why don't you make yourself a comic book the way you would want to before you give it all yeah. up?" And then they, it, Fantastic Four was the right. first. Fantastic Four was the first thing that really kind of motivated and changed comic books. So. You can say without Superman, you would have all this other stuff. But without Stan Lee, I'm, he's the Superman in my opinion. Yeah. Because without him, comics wouldn't be now what they were. He was the are. Walt Disney of superheroes. That's right. Uh, Stan Lee really kind of changed the game because his characters were flawed. They were human. Yeah. Uh, and especially with Spider-Man, when he came out, teenagers were for sidekicks, not heroes. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly Spider-Man is this teenager, and boy, people just latched onto it, especially, you know, teenagers were like, oh, well, here's a character who's just like us. And that's kind of what got Marvel to really build, is suddenly they had more believable characters that were were humans, and they had problems, they had bills to pay, you know, and Aunt May needed surgery, and, you know, that kind of thing would happen. And so it really kind of changed the world, and in fact, even the X-Men during the turbulent time of the 60s was a little bit of a statement on the, the current race issues that were going on at the time. Uh, because really, if you analyze the X-Men, well, okay, how can you tell a mutant from somebody who got bit by a radioactive spider? Uh, because they both got powers, but now we just found out that these people were born with it compared to this guy who got it in an accident. So what's why do they hate one? And Well, Spider-Man gets hated anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, thanks to J. Jonah Jameson. So... Is, but there's always been like big issue things that they were able, able to tackle, and I think DC kind of managed to follow suit and say, well, you know what, our people, our characters need to have some problems and some relationship turmoil, so things are not always sunny between Clark and Lois, you know? That's right. Bruce Wayne can't get a decent love life, and he really can't afford to because he can't have waiting for him, someone waiting for him to come home. I often know? say when people talk about what's better, DC or Marvel... There, I, I'm more of a DC man in certain areas, more of Marvel in the other. And I always say that if it weren't for DC, there'd be no Marvel. Mm-hmm. But if it weren't for Marvel, 
DC, DC would not be up shop. Yeah, DC would not be what it is. And yeah. So they both they've kind of helped each other. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's uh, some possibility that Time Warner is up for sale and Disney might buy it. That'd be interesting. And that'd be interesting because then they'd own both sets of comics. And who knows what sort of crossovers might happen. They can't really officially join the universes because it would just wouldn't mesh well. No, I would want them to do that. Uh, yeah. Really. No. Uh, oh, you're Ooh. cutting in and out. Uh, I'm just saying them separate into the dude DC and Marvel separated. There, we heard you that last bit there. Yeah. DC and Marvel separated, yes. I agree with you on that. It, 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 the crossovers are only special if it's a... Uh, you know, even if they did like once a year yeah. or whatever. It's only special if it's a rarity, you know? Yeah, if it just happens every once in a while, you know. So, yeah. But now let's talk characters, because we've, we've run quite a lot of our podcast time, and we need to get into some characters. Yeah, we yeah. wanted to teach people about some of these people. But we figured, uh, you know, I kind of thought a good history of comics is, is healthy, so you know where it's kind of come from. And what is it that Disney saw in Marvel in order to say, hey, you know what? Let's pick up on this, because all these characters are viable property. And it's too bad they didn't get a hold of Spider-Man, because uh, I've heard many say that he's probably got the greatest rogues gallery in all of Marvel. I'd have uh, to agree. Of uh, my favorite Rose Gallery, at least in Marvel, my favorite Rose Gallery would have to be Spider-Man and the X-Men. Yeah, X-Men's got some of the most bizarre. Of course, X-Men is less bizarre than it used to be because X-Men yeah. used to deal with aliens and a lot of stuff the Avengers would deal with. Uh, but it's gotten more on track. But uh, let me just see if I can find my list of villains in here. I've got a, my Spider-Man guidebook, but. Uh, See, he's got so many villains that they could even get into a lot of unknown villains, I think, and uh, and get somewhere like, uh, well, the Hobgoblin. Would you know? Uh, they maybe could have tried to do that instead of doing the Green Goblin again. Maybe they could have found a way to do the Hobgoblin in the newer movies. But because you've got actually a couple of goblins, they always wanted to have a goblin around. And after Norman Osborn actually had died, because Norman Osborn was supposed to have been the one to kill Gwen Stacy, yep. not uh, not Harry. Uh, which hopefully you did see Amazing Spider-Man two, or you were already familiar with that. How about did, did we just spoil Amazing Spider-Man two for you, Jesse? I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man one, so don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Well, there's your homework. You need to watch the first one and the second one. If you live local, I'd let you borrow them, but you're kind of a few states away. <laughs> so, but, uh, all right. Well, we won't want to spoil anything for you. So we won't say too much of what happens in the movies, but in the comics, um, and so a lot of people were, were expecting, since Gwen Stacy was introduced in the movies, they were like, uh-oh, you know, she, she uh, dies tragically in the comics. Uh, but uh, Scorpion has not been used yet. Craven the Hunter, which yep. I thought would have been actually good to have introduced maybe with the lizard. I always thought it would be interesting if they'd have brought the lizard around in the uh, the Tobey Maguire era is if Craven shows up and he's hunting the lizard uh, because the lizard is running around and not knowing that the lizard is actually you know, Dr. Kirk Connors who was having some problems and Spider-Man is trying to help him. And so he's got to protect the lizard from Craven the Hunter, but he's also got to deal with the lizard because the lizard is also... Uh, another villain, and so Spider-Man's kind of caught in the middle. I thought that would have made a great story, but that's not how we got the lizard. We got the lizard on his own, which was they did a good job with. Uh, but a lot, a lot of different, you know, there's even some interesting things where they did inter- introduce John Jameson, J. Jonah Jameson's son, the astronaut, in Spider-Man uh, 2. Or, and uh, we didn't get to go far enough to where he actually, on the moon, finds this weird gem that actually turns him into a, this weird man-wolf creature. Mm-hmm. Who at times has been a villain for Spider-Man, but then other times he has found out that he actually has this, these powers and he has some sort of cosmic destiny that he must fulfill. So, and at one point even was married to She-Hulk. Huh. 
So, yeah, I've got some of those issues. And, of course, they find out later that they were actually under a love charm from Eros, which is brother of Thanos. I know, we're throwing a lot of characters. Are you getting your head spun around, Jesse? Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so you're familiar with Thanos, though, right? No. Okay, did you see Avengers? Yes, wait, wait, who's Thanos? Okay, well, all right, at the Avengers, you stayed till the very end of the credits, right? Yes. Okay, so you saw that guy where they're kind of reporting, uh, well, to uh, to attack Earth with the Avengers there is to court death, and they show this guy smiling. And then on Guardians of the Galaxy, you did get to see that by now, right? No, I'm, that's on my homework list for this weekend. Yeah, that's on your homework list, because Thanos does make another appearance, and he is expected to battle the Avengers by their third movie. And we're hearing some rumors that Guardians of the Galaxy might be pairing with the Avengers, and maybe it will be at that time, because Thanos can be a thorn in everyone's side. He is a titan. He's known as the Mad Titan. He is actually in love with death, so when they use the, the terminology of, you know, to do this is to court death, and it makes Thanos smile there in the very end, it makes sense. Well, Thanos has a brother, Eros, who is kind of a hero. He's kind of the opposite of his brother, uh, Thanos. He's got these weird love powers, which he has abused, because if you could make some woman fall in love with you and you were that kind of a guy... Uh, yeah, you'd probably abuse your power, which he really shouldn't do. And so uh, the funny part is in some She-Hulk comics, he actually got into some legal trouble. And She-Hulk is also Jennifer Walters, and she's a lawyer. So there's your strong female role model. Come on, where's that She-Hulk movie? Yeah. You know, I'd love to see it. Um, so, yeah, he kind of got into some problems. But anyways, yeah, in the She-Hulk comics, they actually had come up the word her and uh, and John Jameson had gotten married. But to found out the only reason they actually were in love with each other is because Eros had, whoops, accidentally put a little love spell on the two of them. And so the marriage kind of fell apart after the spell was, was taken away. Although I believe, how, if I remember correctly, it turns out that, yeah, She-Hulk was completely under the spell and didn't actually love John, but John maybe actually was in love with her. You, you do realize that this is a soap opera, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> that, see, that's the thing with, with comics is you do, because they're supposed to be like real people, sometimes a little bit of soap opera story happens. Like, it's it's been a long-time thing in the X-Men with the relationship between... Cyclops and Jean Grey, and also known as Marvel Girl, and they were two of the originals. First Class should have involved both of them, but uh, uh, well, that's a whole other issue of making mistakes in movies. Uh, but there's always supposed to be that tension where Wolverine always kind of had a thing for. But you know, Wolverine's kind of uh, the James Bond of the X Men. He'll mess around with any girl, so really, I never took him seriously. I don't know how much he's supposed to like Gene. But as we've gone on later, there's more people who are big fans of Wolverine that think he should have gotten the girl. And in order to solve the problem, they just decided to kill Gene Grey and have Cyclops over with the White Queen. Which, by the way, yes, she was the villain uh, in uh, X-Men First Class, if you saw that movie. Uh, but yet also made an appearance as a younger self, turning into Diamond in the Wolverine Origins movie. So, yeah, that's another thing. That's a big mistake in X-Men movies, which could be a whole other episode. Are you lost yet, Jesse? Very lost. Very lost. You lost lost me at hello. (laughs) I'm trying to throw some information, and yeah, this boy, I could be following you on a tangled web. So, uh, what are some characters that maybe, Jesse, you have heard of that you would like more information on? (laughs) Characters I've heard of. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. (laughs) Well, see, now, the interesting thing is Howard the Duck, um, it's rare to even find any of his comics. 
because he's a bit more on the adult side of things. There's a little bit of a crass humor, but it's mainly a human comic. Now, when he was first created, they did get into some, some trouble with Disney because he did kind of look like Donald Duck in a leisure suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, looky there. You've got a little article on Howard yeah. the Duck. Well, we'll just read that out Howard to the us. Duck was born on Duck World, uh, a planet in another dimension where the most intelligent life involved from waterfowl when the demon thog... Uh, the nether spawn caused the uh, interdimensional cosmic axis to shift. Howard was dropped into the Florida Everglades on Earth, the site of the nexus of all uh, realities where many dimensions meet. And there's a, a whole, there's a whole lot more to that, but that's a lot to read. The truth yeah. be told, Howard the Duck was a supposed to be a one-time appearance on a sh- on a uh, comic book called Man Thing. <laughs> and uh, man, and if you guys get Man Thing and Swamp Thing confused, let me tell you why. Man Thing's a ripoff. Well, yes. At the same time, the creator said, "I'll make this one the Swamp Thing. You make the Man Thing." And they're basically the same story with different writers. And uh, they're both interesting, though. One is DC, one is Marvel. Man Thing is Marvel. Uh, and the truth is, is Howard the Duck was supposed to make a one-time appearance, but he became pretty popular, and so he had his own. Uh, his own little comic. Yeah, for a and while. he pops up every once in a while, and was actually the first Marvel movie, uh-huh. at least for theaters. Because yeah. there's been some TV movies. Uh, there was some TV movies of, of Spider-Man and Captain America. Uh, so they've had some appearances, and they've tried to get something going on TV. But if you ever go back and ever get a chance to see any of it, wow! Yeah, it wasn't well done. <laughs> Not well done you, at you all. You cannot do low budget films with a big, huge fantasy thing, especially back then. They didn't have computers or stuff. Yeah, there's so much you can't do on TV. But now, boy, even with computers, they can they can have Spider-Man swing from building to building instead of taking half an hour to climb up one wall and then swing from one building to that next one, and that's as far as it gets. Yeah, it was it was sad, and apparently it was briefly even a TV series, which didn't last long, and it was awful. Uh, yeah, we we won't bring that one up. But I, you know, they used to do a marathon on the USA Network on like Labor Day weekend, I think it was, and I'd watch it every time just because I love Spider Man, even if it was the most heinous Spider Man I've ever seen in my life. I had to watch it. <laughs> so. I can be kind of forgiving just because, like, yeah, it's Spider-Man. But, of course, if they really screw something up, then they'll probably have me really upset. Well, Howard the Duck, uh, I imagine they'll do some more with him since he's made yeah. an appearance now uh, recently. And he does pop up in major events in Marvel throughout yeah. time. You know, something big happens, and Howard the Duck is, for some reason, there. He lives outside of the, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland. The Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> that's right. And uh, he uh, lives with Beverly Switzler. And they said this is an interesting human-duck relationship. This is why some people had a problem with Howard the Duck. Because <laughs> that's weird. Because there's, <laughs> you know, obviously some sexual things that build up between this human and this duck. And that's that's bizarre, you know. But, uh-huh. but, but if you ever want to see a really bad film, now I don't know many people except weirdos like me maybe, that like to watch films that is just so bad you almost can't help but watch <laughs> it's it. It's so bad you got to watch. And Howard the Duck from the 1980s is one of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, George Lucas, but that's a bad movie. He uh, produced and yeah. all that stuff. Now, that's one of the things that's interesting is George Lucas actually produced a Marvel movie. Now, yeah. since, well, of course, he's wanting to do other projects, but it, I wonder if he'd be interested in coming along and maybe working on maybe another Marvel property now with Disney in there, and he's good friends with Disney, you know, everybody's all happy and everything. 
you know, of course, I don't think he needs to touch Guardians of the Galaxy. I think uh, Peter Gunn did a wonderful job with that, with directing it. So I don't know if I'd want George Lucas's take on Guardians of the Galaxy. But maybe something galactic like that might be somewhere the, in his area. How about the Inhumans? Cause like the Inhumans. There you go. Now, we better explain the Inhumans, because now Jesse's lost, right? Yeah, the, the robots. The Inhumans. All right, explain the Inhumans, Okay, Phil. I'll read you quickly what they say here. It says, the Inhumans are a race who diverged from mainstream human beings on Earth about 25,000 years ago. The aliens known as the Kree created this separate rare, I mean, excuse me, separate race using genetic experimentation on earthly, or early humans in order to create a race of superhuman warriors to serve the Kree. Now, the Kree, some people will be familiar, maybe if they were catching this, they are mentioned, and they're quite an important thing in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, the main villain in there is one of the Kree. Mm-hmm. And if they if they get to develop this further, there's a Kree Empire and a Shi'ar Empire, and also the... Uh, a, help me out here. I, the the sh- shapeshifters. I lost my name. Oh, uh, name. the... the uh... Scrolls. Scrolls, yes. There's all these ma- these three major alien races that really could actually interfere with Guardians of the Galaxy. And also, if, well, if Fantastic Four was still in the house of Disney to be able to... Maybe for someday, them. I'm hoping. Yeah, because then maybe the Scrolls could be involved with the Fantastic Four because they're the ones that have developed them. And yeah. the Scrolls even developed... The Super Scroll, which which could basically he he could he had all the powers of the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and they made him and and gave him those powers specifically to fight the Fantastic Four, who always got in the way of the Scrolls conquering Earth. Scrolls are not very nice. No, they're not. So I would love to see maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy have to deal with them. Perhaps we could get them in there. Maybe get them caught in the middle of a Kree and Scroll war. Well, it sounds awful to say. I hope the new Fantastic Four movie does horrendously bad, so that they, people lose the rights to it and <laughs> it goes back to Marvel Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many years they have to be without making something out of Fantastic know. Four for the rights to transfer. Don't know when that comes back up. But uh, did you at least see some of those Fantastic Four movies there, Jesse? I saw the first one. Excuse me, the first one back in the when that first came out. Yeah, two thousand five. The two thousand five. Sure. That one was very good. Uh, I kind of liked the second one a little better when they did the Silver, Silver Surfer because I thought they were very respectful of the Silver Surfer character and uh, I liked how they presented him. Um, and we I can learn more be... about him. The what? I want to learn more about him. Yeah. Ah, the Silver Surfer. Now this is an interesting type of thing because uh, they were uh, Fox was seemed to be kind of afraid to really go full bore with Galactus. Yeah. Galactus is the true eater of worlds. He is huge, he's gigantic, he flies in through space with this ship, and he usually needs a herald, because he drains the energy out of a planet, and kind of destroys the planet in the process, and so he needs a herald to go and prepare that planet for, you know, consumption. And the Silver Surfer was... Huh? What? What's the herald? The Well, that's... Exactly what the Silver Surfer was. He was the Herald. He was well. You know how like when a king would go out, they'd have the Herald would go out there and blow the horn and announce announcing king da 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 da. You know. So the Herald was someone who was like would go before Galactus to the planet and prepare the planet for Galactus's arrival to destroy that and consume that planet. And uh, so Norrin Rad, I don't know what race he was originally, but he I think was in order to save uh, his fiance or his wife or something like that made a deal with the Galactus to become his herald, which basically makes him a slave. Now, Galactus gave, gave Norrin Rad the, what is called the Power Cosmic, which is 
it's like this weird infinite power. He can almost do anything he wants to. It changed his appearance to where his body is completely silver and his his life is connected to what looks like a surfboard, and he uses that to travel through space. Now, at some point, then the Silver Surfer uh, turned against Galactus and rebelled and got free, and he's no longer the slave of Galactus. And so now he's kind of finding his own way, and he really wants to find his way back to his home world, but he doesn't know where it is. Unless something has changed. Has anything changed that you're aware of, not, Philip? Not that I'm aware of. I do know that the one thing, and let's see, what's his name of this character here? This, uh, I can't remember him. The Watcher. The Watcher. Yes, that's a whole other thing the, we can uh, talk about. The the truth is, is whenever uh, Stan Lee had created Galactus, and he, it, he went along with the Watcher, and Stan Lee did not come up with an idea for the Silver Surfer. He just had Galactus. But J- the great Jack Kirby, Great Lake. Once again. <laughs> Jack Kirby. He drew this guy. Looked like he was on a surfboard, and he came up with the whole idea of having the Herald come before him. And mm-hmm. and and Stanley's like, "That's great," you know. So he came <laughs> up with the idea of how, how he's going to do it. And anyway, right, good stuff. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about Galactus, I found this absolutely fascinating. Uh, I don't remember which comic I was reading, but uh, Reed Richards, known as Mister Fantastic of the Fantastic right. Four, has actually said, "Well, Galactus isn't so much a villain as he is just a force of nature. We can't really destroy him because." He actually is a natural cause of destruction. He he's just something that exists to to eat. And he in order to remain alive, Galactus does have to consume planets, just like a predator consumes you know another animal. That's a very interesting perspective I thought of Galactus, and I don't remember where I had read that in some comic, but uh, there was something about you know Galactus was was sick or what was dying or whatever, and Reed Richards was saying, well, hey, we actually have to save Galactus, which is unfortunate. Uh, we have to help him feed somewhere because he's part of nature, and if he's if, if he is gone then maybe some of these planets he consumes maybe need to be wiped out for some reason that we are unaware of, and it's just the natural selection of planets and stuff like that. So maybe maybe with planets he destroys, new ones are created somewhere else or something, you know. Very interesting. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see Galactus back in the hands of Disney because I bet they'd have the guts to actually give us a full Galactus instead of a cloudy shadow across the planet that Fox presented him as, uh, which was really kind of disappointing, although it was really kind of a cool moment in the second film where they do have the Silver Surfer finally turning and rebelling against Galactus there at the end of that film. hope I'm not spoiling it for you. Uh, A lot of people really kind of skipped out on that one because they didn't like the first Fantastic Four movie. Um but, yeah, it was a very, very cool moment. So that's the Silver Surfer. Uh, it, it would be awesome if they could actually give the Silver Surfer a movie and deal with Galactus in a Silver Surfer movie and then maybe launch him somewhere. Maybe if, if, if Disney can get back a hold of that character and maybe the Silver Surfer could then, after having his own movie, cross paths with Guardians of the Galaxy who are running around in space. Uh, and I do look forward to the Guardians of the Galaxy at some point even coming back towards Earth because uh, I'm reading some of the stuff Marvel has put out in their comics. Uh, and Peter Quill is pretty good friends with uh, Kate, Kitty Pride, also known as Shadowcat, which if you've seen in the X-Men movie, she's the girl that phases through walls. And I don't know where they came up with her being able to one to send Wolverine back in time there in the latest X-Men film. Uh, I don't recall her ever having that power, but maybe there's something I just didn't know about. Uh, but yeah, so Peter Quill is actually supposed to be friends with her in some fashion, uh, in the comics at least. But of course, being that Kitty Pride is kind of owned right now by Fox and they get the rights to do everything with her, I don't see them being able to actually have them cross paths. But I would like to see the Guardians of the Galaxy interacting with uh, some Earth heroes, which uh, we're hearing tell about them interacting with the Avengers in a movie. So 
Here's open. What do, What about someone like Modoc? Modoc, yeah. Here's something that'll be good for anyone who's about to play Disney Infinity Two. Uh, I did see this in a preview trailer. If you uh, have you seen the the preview trailers for this, Jesse? No, I'm, I'm actually just staying away from the trailers. So I'm surprised when the game comes out. Ah. ah. Okay, well, okay. when you get to the Avengers set, they have shown in a preview trailer that your enemy, of course, with the Avengers, you're getting to fight Loki. Oh. Now, you will find Loki uh, in, the, in, the, in the game with MODOK. Now, MODOK, what does that stand for, Phil? Well, read that for us. Well, let me read what it says here. Um, it says, uh, an agent for the uh, subversive organization AIM. Advanced, advanced Ideal Mechanics, which there. we did see in Iron Man 3. There you go. Tarleton was mutated. Uh, Tarleton, his name is, uh, what was it, George Tarleton? Is that how you say it? George oh, yeah. Tarleton or something like that. Something Says, like that, yeah. Was mutated by Ames Bioengineers into a living computer named MODOK, which stands for Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing. Yes, it's a ridiculous name, but you got to love it. Uh, there you go. MODOK. And he's the silliest character you'll ever see. He's like this giant head with arms and legs. Yeah. Looks like a big uh, ball. Yeah. Uh, Monot soon turned on his creators and later used his superior mental powers to seize control of AIM. He began making plans for world conquest, but was often thwarted by S.H.I.E.L.D., Captain America, the Hulk, and Iron Man. Uh, disgusted by his many failures, rebels within AIM finally, uh, rebels, rebels within AIM finally managed to. Uh, oust Modoc and later hired the Serpent Society to assassinate him. And we've uh. jumped into some other territory now, the Serpent Society. Which uh, did you watch any of the uh, Avengers Mighty the Earth's Mightiest Heroes animated series on Disney XD there, Jesse? I saw the Avengers Assemble series. Okay. I'm a little behind on that. I've seen a couple episodes, but I did see most of the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and they I did love use that the, the uh, yeah they did have the Serpent Society in that series. Modok was in the Avengers Assemble, so I've heard of him. Modok was okay. You, now, now that you've seen what the character looks like, what do you think the odds are that Disney might have the guts to put him in a movie? Because they have established AIM in Iron Man three. You think maybe they'd get the guts for Modok? Eh, they'll probably bring him out soon. It would be pretty cool. He'd be a weird-looking character, but I think people could be able to accept it now that they've seen a talking raccoon and a and a tree that dances. Now that Disney sees that people want to see comic books and they'll throw lots of money at them and make it the number one movie of the year, Mm -hmm. Disney's going to be more and more willing to bring more comic books to the screen. Yeah, and there's so many characters we have not even touched on that we'll have to do another show like this. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have to wrap this one up or it's going to go really long. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we've only just scratched the surface on a few characters that you be familiar with or that you're not familiar with. And some of them are just bizarre and zany. And some of them are, you know, just really cool and just a lot of fun that as, as thing kind of, things kind of move on, we're going to hopefully see more of these characters. I mean, we've even heard Doctor Strange, and I, I don't think they've I, cast I, him I yet. I love Doctor Strange. Love him. <laughs> and you've got a whole realm, because uh, he is the Sorcerer Supreme. He does all this weird mystic Eastern magic kind of things. So you're opening up a whole new territory in the Marvel Universe of not aliens and everything, but of magic. This is the truth. It, it, with every good... Most of the time, every good Marvel character has a good DC character that's either first or inspired by a Marvel character. Right. And uh, along with Doctor Strange, you got Doctor Fate. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and really, 
to be honest, those guys are awesome. I loved whenever DC and Marvel did a thing called Amalgam where they put their characters together and yeah. you Doctor Strange fate. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, either way, the fact is, is there's so much they can do. This is why I've always said that right now, Marvel and DC need to use cartoons to get into kids' minds. Marvel's done this for years since the yeah. late 60s. But DC doesn't do this much, and they should. There should be a series that, even if it was just a series of DC selects or whatever, and you get to see an episode of a character, there's so many characters that the kids and even a lot of adult fans don't know about that yeah. that, that could do really good on their own. If you start building up slowly, ba-boom. Yeah, and one mistake that I think Disney is making right now is, okay, Jesse, in the 90s, I'm pretty sure you watched an X-Men cartoon, right? Cartoon in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I remember coming out. I think it was on my cart before or after Batman. It was around uh, that time. It was around about that same time. It was on, on Saturdays, 1992. Uh, and the X Men series did so well that they did do a pretty good Spider Man series. That this was part of the Fox Kids Network. But And these were well done enough to where they even. Radioactive Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> But it was so well that they even put a couple episodes of the X-Men series, I think by the time they were on season three, they, they put a couple primetime episodes up. Uh, and so they, they were making some series that, even as you know we were teenagers at the time, uh, but they made it to where you could still enjoy it no matter what age you are. Now, Disney's mistake that they're doing, when they bought the Marvel properties, there was a pretty good Spider-Man series sure, called yeah. Yeah, The Spectacular Spider-Man.
pretty good series. I think you can find it on Netflix. Well, you could. I don't know if it is right now. But. Oh, but at some point it was on Netflix. It was a great show. But when Disney bought Marvel, they said, nope, there's no animation going to go unless we're the ones making it. Which would be a pretty good idea because, wow, Disney animators working on, on Spider-Man would have been great. But, you know, they instead of killing the show, they should have just, you know, because even the show's writers were like, well, we'll love to work for Disney. We'll have, let's keep making the show with Disney animators. Sounds great. But that's not what Disney did. Disney also managed to kill a pretty good X-Men series that was yep. going on called Wolverine and the X-Men, which I didn't expect to like because I get a little tired of Wolverine this and Wolverine that and everywhere. But Disney killed that show in favor of doing their own cartoons. Now, uh, the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, pretty good. Yeah. But then Ultimate Spider-Man, I I have a hard time getting into it. It is so childish, and they've went so far with humor, and they thought Spider-Man had to have a team, that they've kind of killed the essence of who Spider-Man is and what makes him cool. And uh, you know they, they went through and they tried to rehash the Avengers. Now, I've seen some of the Avengers assemble. It's not bad. But it it seems like they're slowly they're getting more childish with their presentations of these characters, and they're aiming them so much at kids that they're not getting it to where the older fans, because actually most comics are bought by people in their twenties and and early thirties, uh, they're not aiming for that that audience to bring them all together. And I think they're, they're they could uh, get a lot more money in it if they would you know target the right people. But it, but it has gotten to where Marvel now does have a, a separate children's line of books based off the Disney series. There is, uh, there is of course, the Ultimate Comics that has been around for a long time, but they're now calling that Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. And now there is also a new Ultimate Spider-Man comic based off what they're doing in that animated series. So maybe it's selling well for kids, but it's really kind of disappointing compared to what we used to have with these characters when they were being taken seriously, like the movies have done, where they've taken and the characters seriously. One thing I thought was good in 1992 is when Batman got the animated series, which is still my favorite version. Oh, that of Batman. was a great show, and uh, that kind of changed everything. And uh, where you can make a cartoon, and it had the the style was so unique, and it was a lot like the old Superman cartoons, unique style. And that's what yeah. they're going for, a kind of 1940ish look. And uh, the truth is, is I, I think it is so good at telling stories, and it was like watching little movies, especially yeah. the first season. And they were able to introduce all those other villains, that even characters I wasn't familiar yeah. with. And I knew of them, but but they did such a good job. Paul Dini, you're a genius. We love you. Yep. I wish you'd take over the films. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's great. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I keep thinking I'd like to have someone like that in Marvel. Yeah. You know, Jeff Loeb ought to be one of them that, that can yeah. do it because he's good that way. Get some good... Well, you know, the nice thing is, is you know, they do have Brian Michael Bendis who is a, a, a great writer for Marvel. He has worked on the Ultimate Spider-Man animated series, but... I, I, I kind of wonder how much influence he has because the direction they took with that series, and I still kind of like to watch it just because it's Spider-Man, but it doesn't feel like Spider-Man. They've, they've child, uh, child uh, well, childized, I guess I'm inventing a word. They've made it so childish that where they've, I really feel like they've lost the heart of the character. He doesn't seem to struggle with the responsibility. He's just like, hey, look, I'm a kid. Watch me ride this stupid spider cycle. Which, why does he need it when he can web sling? I don't know. <laughs> they, it's okay, buddy. It's like they wanted to find a way to integrate Shield into it somehow, and gave him Agent Coulson as a principal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've got a bunch of them on my DVR, but I can't. I just don't have the motivation to watch them. 
because I'm so disappointed, which is actually, you know, uh, and I know uh, Clinton Albert of ComedyForecast.com, you know, the Comedy Forecast, brought to you by ComedyForecast.com. He's pretty excited that somebody from, um, uh, I cannot think of the name of the show, Parks and Rec, I think it is. Yeah, uh, but somebody from that uh, is—I I don't remember the guy's name—but he's going to be playing the role of Miles Morales in a crossover episode uh, in Ultimate Spider-Man. Now, Miles Morales is the current Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, which is an alternate universe that uh, Marvel developed to kind of try to get some new readers. They thought, well, well, they, we don't want to try to pile on all this history to all the new readers. We want to just give them a new history. And it was good for a while, but they switched out. They killed off the Peter Parker of that universe and brought in Miles Morales to be the new Spider-Man. And they're going to bring that character into the animated series for like a one-off episode, and maybe he'll make some other appearances. My, my only problem with that is that, well... It's on that very terrible, well, not not terrible animated series, but just not as good as it should be. And really, I think the Ultimate Comics kind of got off track with Spider-Man when they killed Peter Parker and brought in a different person. I'm not really keen on that anyway. He might be very interesting, and I'm sure it's still selling, but I, I can't get into that myself. And so that's just a, a double whammy of me going, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to watch this, even if it is Spider-Man, but... Well, we were trying to wrap this up uh, about uh, 20 minutes ago, so we do an hour-long show, but uh, I think we're going to run an hour and a half. But we can pick this up in a, in a later episode and we continue talking about this. Uh, all right, well, uh, we had a brief uh, interruption there. Uh, Jesse got a blue screen of death. Uh, but, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. As that was I, Thanos trying to eat his... That was Thanos. <laughs> that was Thanos taking out your computer. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, we will go ahead and wrap this up because I don't want to go like two hours and, and uh, we're, we were getting dangerously close to getting there. But uh, we'll, we'll bring this topic up again and we'll discuss it more because we can. And maybe next time Jesse will be able to get a word in edgewise. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately we were kind of teaching Jesse and he didn't get really much to say. I kept trying to throw it to him, but he just didn't have anything to catch the ball with. <laughs> but we're teaching him. He's going to learn stuff. And Jesse... Uh, I'm so very sorry. We're trying to nerdify you. <laughs> oh, he's got some geek in it. I'm a geek. I'm becoming a nerd as we go along. Oh, oh good, yeah. good. He, he's already big. Di- he knows his Disney history. And That's all. good. He, good stuff. Which, by the way, you need to check out his blog at questforvaultdisney.wordpress.com. Uh, Did I get that right? Absolutely. And you are now part of the bestofdisney.com group? Yes, I am. Awesome. And we can actually go to your website and vote for you. Yay. And Please. get you up in the rankings. I'm right now I'm in the top ten. I could go even higher. Woohoo. Are they looking to rank any uh, Disney podcasts of Best of Disney? Uh, it looks like right now they're just blogs. Ah, uh, but we're an audio blog. <laughs> In time, Jeremy. In, in time. time. In time. <laughs> Maybe one of these days I'll bring back my old website, Suburban Superhero, that was my blog that I never updated. I actually do still have my old blog. Uh, it doesn't go through SuburbanSuperhero.com anymore. Now it's just like glueband.wordpress.com, but you know, I barely do anything with it, so I probably ought to just shut it down. <laughs> so Maybe I can turn it into a good you know, something. I don't know. Whatever you're feeling white and nerdy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is my white and nerdy right here. Yeah. <laughs> this has been white and nerdy since the beginning. Now it's just a Disney white and nerdy. <laughs> Which I guess the argument could be made that we always kind of were. <laughs> <laughs> That's not much of an argument. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were. All, I was always throwing some Marvel and some Disney and and some and Star Wars around. So you know, technically, we really haven't changed much. Um. But anyways, we are. 
Yeah. yeah. We've just declared that daggummit we are. And now, you know, Jizzy, uh, Jizzy, Jizzy, I cannot pronounce your name. Jizzy has more of a Disney connection and has a bit more on Disney history, and we were able to send him to Friends of the Magic, so now we've got more Disney people in here, and now that I've got an official team, Philip has been to Disneyland, Disney World a whole lot more than I have, so we have people who are a bit more experts than I am between, Dis- uh, I want to call Jesse Disney, between Jesse and Phil, we have some more Disney, you know, I'm not calling them necessarily experts, but they know more than I do on actually being in the parks. So we've got a good team going here. <laughs> but anyways, okay, uh, we've, we've got to wrap this up. It's going to get insane here in a minute because we're getting late. So anyways, but subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. I will have links up on each show and also on the website where you can go to our, our iTunes and Stitcher page. The iTunes one is very complicated to search for. But the Stitcher is very simple. It's just stitcher.com slash podcast slash the dash Neverland dash podcast. Very easy. Go find us on Stitcher. Give us a nice review and a five-star rating there. You can follow us at NeverlandPCast on Twitter, which that is where you know you can also see where we've been posting up these uh, nice little uh, Marvel cards front and back. Uh, but if you really want to get the, the, a lot of the scoops and a lot of the news stories, all of it, we can't all contribute to the Twitter, but we can all contribute over at Facebook, facebook.com slash Neverland Podcast, and Jesse finds stories, and I find some stories, and I don't know if Philip has put anything up here lately, but when, no, when, we, when we see something cool that's kind of Disney-ish, Star Wars, Marvel, or, or just really kind of cool related, we'll, we'll put that up there, so... If you haven't come and liked us on Facebook, make sure you do that because there's a lot more information, a lot more fun we're having there. You can also email us at any time, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Right. What was that again? Nobody's paying attention. <laughs> podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 816-226-6492. We had a couple of fun voicemails last week. I haven't checked to see if we have any new ones, but I don't have time to fit them in this week. Uh, but the voicemail line is lots of fun. Uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun actually hearing from all of you out there who listen. Uh, and hopefully have stayed with us this entire episode of Crazy, and we didn't get your head as turned around as we did poor Jesse. <laughs> Is your head still attached, Jesse? Yes, it is. Okay, uh, we didn't screw your ears off backwards. I, 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 I think we're good. We'll find out in a few minutes. Find out in a few minutes. If you start speaking gibberish things, some stuff like uh, you know, with great responsibility comes great power, or something like that, then we know that we've really screwed you up. That's right. Hulk smash, Hulk smash. <laughs> <laughs> Don't smash anybody in the process of the, of the next time we get to speak about this. Uh, that would not be good. Smashing is generally not looked upon by the police as very being very um, uh, profitable. Uh, we'll just put it like that. Unless you happen to be, uh, you know, like ten foot tall and have emerald skin, then the police probably don't want to mess with you. So. Probably. It's good advice, anyway. Okay, all right, and here's, because I should probably start doing a disclaimer, I will go ahead and say that all the content you hear, all of our original content is property of Glue Band Productions, which there used to be a website, gluebandproductions.com, but I've shut that down because I'm saving money as well. You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, I still have the Facebook page up, but I'm probably gonna take that down as well. 
But uh, you can still find some Glue Band Productions. Actually, if you search on YouTube, you can find some video things that I used to do if if you've got the, the gumption to. But we also have a YouTube channel for Neverland Podcast, which, you know, I think I'm going to have to start adding some more stuff to. Uh, I've got a few videos on there. Uh, anytime we get a chance to maybe do a bit of a video cast, it could happen. Uh, like with ToonFest coming up, I do plan on taking my camera, and I do hope to simultaneously have a YouTube show up at the same time as I release the audio from the video that I'm going to shoot on uh, our regular podcast feed. So yeah, go ahead and uh, take a look at the the YouTube channel and every once in a while you never know when I'm going to put something up there. Um, But uh, yeah, so everything's copyright from Blueberry Productions except for any content that we use that is somebody else's then is copyright of them which could be disney could be marvel could be whatever okay but i felt like i probably needed to say that i probably should put that at the end of every show because i do borrow content but we are creating our own content and so now i'm rambling and now you're bored and now you're you're wanting to jeremy just shut up and end the show so that being the case remember to keep that pixie in your pocket have you got your pick your pocket pixie jesse Yes, I do. All right. And Phil's got his Phil. pocket pixie. My pocket pixie? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So make sure you keep that with you because you always have to be able to uh, deal with things. And so just remember to keep a little bit of that pixie dust to you know, kind of adjust your own attitude and see if you can help a few people around you. And we do still want to hear, hear stories from you, the listeners, of anybody who maybe makes your day a little brighter and you want to kind of share that. Or if you managed to do something that uh, cheered up somebody else and you really kind of enjoyed cheering that people up, we like to hear nice stories like that. We haven't heard any yet. But we want to hear those. So just remember to keep that pixie in your pocket so you can spread a little bit of pixie dust around. And we'll see you next time when maybe I'll be a bit more organized and quit rambling so much. But it's probably not likely. So everybody have a good week and God bless. God bless. (laughs) I'm insane and you're all coming with me. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.